Chapter Four, Part Seven of the Works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume Ten, Ingersoll's Closing Address to the Jury in the Second Star Root Trial. Part Seven of Twenty Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by William Jones. Part Seven. Now I come to the affidavit. I will not spend a great deal of time upon it. Mr. Wardell, with extreme ease, without the slightest hesitation, went through that entire affidavit, picking out with all the facility imaginable every paragraph written by Dorsey and every paragraph written by himself. I was astonished at his exhibition of memory. I finally asked to look at the copy of the paper he had, and when I got that in my hand, I found every word that he swore was written by Dorsey had been underlined with a blue pencil. That accounted for the facility with which he testified. I found afterwards that the paper had been given him by Mr. Woodward, and that he had gone through and marked such portions as Mr. Dorsey wrote, according to his testimony, or had marked those that he wrote, leaving the others unmarked, so that at a glance he could tell which way to swear. Before I get through with the papers in this case, there is another thing to which I want to call your attention. All the papers as to which witnesses were called on the subject of handwriting are marked. I will show you that every one has a little secret mark upon it, so that the man who swore might know which way to swear simply by looking at the signature and at no other part. There has been a great deal of preparation in this case. Now, Wardell swears as to the parts of the affidavit that Dorsey wrote and the parts that he wrote. His object in swearing was to entirely relieve Messrs. James and McVeigh from having made any bargain with him to steal Mr. Dorsey's books, and to entirely relieve them from any suspicion as well as to relieve every other official of the government from any suspicion of having promised him any pay in any shape or manner for the making of this affidavit. He swears in the first place that Dorsey wrote this. My story captured them completely, and I took occasion to refer to the steamboat route and the Jennings claim. Mr. James remarked that he knew all about the Jennings matter. The Jennings had been badly treated, and he ought to get the money, and should, that he would investigate the steamboat route and see if anything could be done. That was the worst part, and his special agents had reported it. Nevertheless, he would see if something could not be done. On page 2506, in his cross-examination, Mr. Rurdell swears that the words Mr. James remarked were not written by Dorsey, but were written by himself. On the same page, he swears that the words that Jennings had been badly treated were not written by Mr. Dorsey, but were written by himself. On his examination in chief, 
he swore that these words were written by Dorsey. On his examination in chief, he swore that Dorsey wrote this, quote, and to further deceive them and learn their plans, carried the letter book containing the much-talked-about organ correspondence. End quote. Afterward, when cross-examined, he swears, I think upon the same page, 2506, that he himself wrote the words, quote, carried the letter book containing, end quote, that Dorsey did not write them. He also swears in his examination in chief that Dorsey wrote these words, quote, making only one mistake, or rather slip, by which Mr. McVeigh could, as a good lawyer, have detected me, and that was by stating that I had kept a set of books, end quote. On his examination in chief, he swears that Mr. Dorsey wrote those words. On cross-examination, he admits that Dorsey did not write them, and that he wrote them. On his examination in chief, he swears that he wrote this himself. He said, quote, Well, Mr. Rodell, I am in a position where I cannot make promises, but if you will place yourself in full accord with the government, you shall not lose by it, and I would advise you not to receive any salary from Dorsey this month. It will be all right. End quote. On cross-examination, he takes it back, and swears, on page 2503, that Dorsey wrote the words, It will be all right. He was afraid those words might be given too wide a significance, and might in some way touch the Attorney General, and consequently he swore that he swore wrong when he swore that he wrote them, that as a matter of fact, Dorsey wrote them. Then, on his examination in chief, with the marked paper before him, and having plenty of time to manufacture his testimony, he swore that he wrote the words, quote, he asked me in his own handwriting, and that Dorsey wrote these words, when I was going to New York to get those books. I replied, on Sunday night. He said, don't put it off too long, as they are all important. End quote. On his examination in chief, he swore that Dorsey wrote those words, and on cross-examine, he admitted that he wrote every one of those words himself. When he was cross-examined, he had not the paper before him. His memory was not refreshed by the blue pencil mark. So, on his examination in chief, he swore that he wrote the words, quote, As I was about leaving he meaning the Attorney General, said, Mr. Rodell, you have put yourself in full accord with us, and I have this to say, you shall be well taken care of, and your matters shall be attended to. End quote. On cross-examination, on page 2500, he swears that Dorsey wrote the words, your matters shall be attended to. But he still admitted that he, Rodell, wrote the words and put them in the mouth of the Attorney General. You shall be well taken care of, he says in his letter of July 5th, 1882. Quote, if I had remained with the government, I would have every reason to believe I would have a good position. End quote. What next? Mr. Wardell, in his examination in chief, swears that he himself wrote these words. Quote, the next evening, I called on Mr. Woodward to see if he had anything more to say 
and he told me a place had been found for my father-in-law and to give the application to senator clayton to make the application for the interior department as it was best not to put him in the post office department for fear of criticism that the appointment would be made at once it was all arranged the next day i saw clayton who said the same thing End quote. on cross-examination at page two thousand five hundred and five he swears that dorsey wrote a part of this that dorsey wrote the following words quote, as it was best not to put him into the post office department for fear of criticism End quote. when he testified on direct examination he had this marked paper before him in the absence of the paper on cross-examination he takes his solemn oath that he did not write it but that senator dorsey did what confidence can you put in that kind of testimony i would like to have you gentlemen sometime or i would like to have anybody who has the slightest interest in the thing read this affidavit and see whether it is the work of two or the work of one you let two men write one writing one paragraph and the other writing another paragraph and then you read it there is no man in the world accustomed to read books that cannot instantly detect the difference in style the different mode of expression the different use of language nobody can see any difference in the writing nobody can see the slightest difference in the mode of expression the sharpest verbal mechanic that ever lived cannot see a joint between these paragraphs they emanated from the same brain they were written by the same hand and if any man who has ever read one book clear through will read that he will see that one person wrote it all but mr bliss tells you that there is a passage that shows the handiwork of s w dorsey because dorsey was a politician he also said that you mr president had told mr dorsey you could not interfere in this investigation and prosecution that if you did the public would say that the president and his secretary who shall remain nameless but whose name i could guess had taken the money of the star root ring while they were in congress or the postmaster general and attorney general had taken it since and therefore he dorsey must look to the courts for vindication that is the passage upon which mr bliss relies amongst other things to show that this was formed in the brain of s w dorsey and yet Rodell swears that that passage he wrote himself it will not do gentlemen now in order that you may know just about how much force to give to that let me read you a little from page two thousand three hundred seventy nine and i read this for the purpose of letting you know the ideas that this man burdell entertains of right and wrong i want you to get at the moral nature of this man i want you to thoroughly understand him when you examine these affidavits when you think of his testimony i want you to know exactly the kind of nature he has and i want you to remember that he came here upon this stand and swore in this case that he did not consider that it was wrong to underline petitions that he did not think it was wrong to fill up affidavits and that is the reason he made the affidavit of july thirteenth eighteen eighty two although he then knew that these things had been done still he did not 
regard them as wrong. You see, it is worth something to get at a man, to get at his philosophy of right and wrong. It is worth something to know how he thinks, why he acts, and when you have found that out about a man, then you know whether to believe him or not. I believe the jury did look at this paper and saw all the parts that had been marked by blue pencil, and those parts, I believe, he said Dorsey wrote. That is the paper he had before him at the time he testified in chief. But when he came to be cross-examined, not having the paper before his eyes, he swore in very many important things exactly the other way. We were all astonished at the facility with which he remembered. He pretended to know what parts he wrote, and what parts Mr. Dorsey wrote. I want you to understand this man, and before I get through with him, you will. I want you to know him. Now we come to an exceedingly important thing in this case, in the eyes of the prosecution. It is the principal pillar supporting the testimony of Mr. Rodell. Without that pillar, absolutely nothing is left, and everything falls into perjured ruin. The first question that arises with regard to the pencil memorandum 31X is who wrote it. In order to ascertain who wrote it, we must take into consideration all the facts and circumstances that have been established in this case. It is already in evidence, as you remembered, that Rurdell kept a route book. You will also remember that Mr. Dorsey had books of his own, that he had a bookkeeper of his own, Mr. Kellogg, that Mr. Kellogg swears that he kept those books, and nobody else ever made a scratch of the pen in them, that he kept them up till the fall of 1879, they were then sent to New York, that Mr. Torrey took possession of those books on the 27th of January, 1880, and kept them continuously to the last of April, 1882, and that nobody else ever Put a mark in them. That is the evidence. The evidence also is that there was in those books a complete mail account. The evidence is also that in those books kept by Mr. Kellogg were the charges and credits growing out of the purchase of John Dorsey's interest and Peck's interest in the mail routes. Mr. Merrick, pardon me, point me to that evidence. Mr. Ingersoll, I will refer to it hereafter. I do not wonder, gentlemen, that they dislike this pencil memorandum. Mr. Merrick, no, sir, I only want to keep you within the correct limits. Mr. Ingersoll, I understand that. I do not blame anybody for disliking that pencil memorandum. Mr. Merrick, you can convict Rodell as much as you like. Mr. Ingersoll, when you come to show that he is guilty, his countenance will light up with the transfiguration of joy. There will be no more delighted auditor than Mr. Rurdell when his crimes are painted blackest. It shows you the moral nature of the man. Now, as I say, the evidence is that there was a route book kept. That route book contained all the information that Mr. Dorsey or anyone else would want about the routes themselves. Consequently, that there was no propriety in keeping any other set of books. Mr. Rurdell could keep books for himself, 
but not for s w dorsey dorsey had a set of books and had another bookkeeper why should he have another set opened by Verdell? Verdell kept a route book that gave him all the information that he could possibly desire mr wilson Verdell did not handle the money mr ingersoll of course not there was no money at that time to handle they had not got as far as the handle now there is another little point why should dorsey voluntarily put himself in the power of Verdell by saying i have paid money to brady what was the necessity of it what was the sense of it Verdell was his clerk why should he take pains to put himself the employer absolutely in the power of his clerk why should he take pains to make himself the slave of the man he was hiring by the month why did he wish not only to make mr Verdell acquainted with his crime but to put in the hands of Verdell evidence written by himself you see gentlemen you have got to look at everything from a natural standpoint of what use was it to mr dorsey to keep that account dorsey at that time had no partner dorsey at that time did not have to respond to anybody of what use was it to him to put down in a book i paid brady eighteen thousand dollars was he afraid that brady would forget it was he afraid that he would forget it did he want his clerk to help him keep the secret knowing that if the secret got wings it would render him infamous let us have some sense the government introduced it they also introduced a witness to prove that it was in dorsey's writing Verdell swore that it was their next witness boone thought part of it might be and part might not be it did not look right to him he rather intimated that mr Verdell wrote part of it and right there the government dropped no expert was brought there were plenty of experts right over here at the bureau of engraving and printing plenty of experts in philadelphia and new york plenty of judges of handwriting right up here in congress where twenty or thirty senators who sat for six years in the senate with stephen w dorsey served on the same committees with him and had seen him write every day clerks of those committees who had copied page after page of his writing not one of them was called the government with its almost infinite power and with everything at its command brought no expert that was the most important piece of paper in their case and yet they allowed their own witness to discredit it their own witness swore in fact that Verdell had manufactured the incriminating part of it and yet they sent for no expert to swear to this writing don't you believe that they talked with somebody has not each one of you in his mind a reason why they did not bring the ones that they talked with they left it right there without another word now why simply because they could get no man to swear except Verdell that this is in the handwriting of s w dorsey that is the reason you know that Verdell kept this as a voucher what for was any money paid out on it no was it a receipt for any money no but he kept it as a voucher you see he was in a difficulty how did he come to keep it all this time it would hardly do for him to say that he did not try to keep it that it had been 
in the waste basket of forgetfulness and then suddenly come to life by a conspiracy of chance and awkwardness it would not do for him to say that he made it so that he had to say that he kept it and then he had to give a reason for keeping it and what was the reason he said he kept it as a voucher i suppose you addressing mr green a juror have kept books is that what you would call a voucher yet that is the reason the poor man had to give i pitied the man when he got to that point i am of such a nature that i cannot entirely absolutely and perfectly hate anybody and when i see the worst man in trouble i do not enjoy it much at least i am soon satisfied and would like to see him out of it here he was swearing that he had this for a voucher now there are some little things about this to which i will call your attention here is the name of j h mitchell an account was opened with mitchell but he does not tell him to charge mitchell with anything there is nothing opposite mitchell's name how would he open an account with mitchell without anything to be charged against him or to be credited he put in the index of the book j h mitchell page twenty one you turn over to page twenty one and you find mitchell debtor to nothing creditor the same silence not a cent opposite the name on either side mitchell was not an employee mitchell was not a fellow they were to have an account with by the day then john smith is rubbed out and samuel jones written under it Rodell says he wrote samuel jones i say he did not i want you to look at it after a while and see whether he wrote it or not now gentlemen it so happened that when this pencil memorandum was introduced it struck me that m c r looked a great deal like Rodell's handwriting and you will remember that i suggested instantly and said to the jury look at the m c r now gentlemen of the jury i want you to look at that m c r i want you to see how the first line of the m is brought around to the middle of the letter and then i want you to see exactly how the c and the r are made take it mr foreman and look at it carefully and in connection with that pencil memorandum thirty one x i will ask the jury also to look at the settlement with john w dorsey made in eighteen seventy nine eighty seven x and compare the initials m c r where they occur on both papers mcr occurs twice i believe on this eighty seven x now look at the formation of the mcr on both papers mr lowry and do a good job of looking too now gentlemen this is one of the most valuable pieces of paper i've ever had in this case and it is as good luck as ever happened i want you to look at the j w d on that paper then compare it to the j w d on this paper you cannot spend your time better i did not suppose i would ever find one paper that would have everything on it but as if there had been a conspiracy as to this paper there is an s w d on this paper which is substantially 
the same as the SWD on the other. The MCR, the SWD, and the JWD on both of these papers are all substantially the same. And I think when the jury have looked at it, they will say they were written by the same hand. Now, gentlemen, there was the testimony of Mr. Boone that he thinks the upper portion of this pencil memorandum, 31X, was written by S.W. Dorsey, that it looks like his handwriting down to and including profit and loss, I believe. I may be mistaken. It may be down to cash. But then after profit and loss came the names J.H. Mitchell and J.W.D., exactly the same J.W.D., that appears on 87X. Now, what paper is that 87X? This is an account of John W. Dorsey against S.W. Dorsey in 1879. He had been out west to take care of some of the routes, and when he came back, he settled, and Mr. Burdell wrote up the account. That is 87X, and I proved that it was made in 1879. I believe the prosecution thought at first that it was 1878. That paper shows that it was manufactured by the one who wrote this paper, and by nobody else. Now, as I said before, there is no account against J. H. Mitchell. Opposite William Smith, there are the figures 18,000. And Rodell says that he wrote Samuel Jones himself at the suggestion of Mr. Dorsey. Again, I ask you, gentlemen, why would Mr. Dorsey give such a paper to Rodell. Why would he give him this false name? Why would he put himself in his power? It is very natural that he should give the amounts $10,500, $10,000 for John W. Dorsey, and $10,000 for Peck, because the evidence shows that those transactions actually occurred. The evidence shows not only in one place, but in many, that the $10,000 was paid to John W. Dorsey, the $10,000 was paid to Peck, and that the $10,500 was advanced at that time by S.W. Dorsey. Consequently, that is natural, and it is proper. But my opinion is that he never wrote one word, one line of the pencil memorandum. It was all made, every mark upon it, by Mr. Rurdell, he is the man who made it. Did he have it when he went to McVeigh? No. Did he have it when he went to the postmaster general? No. Did he have it when he went to Woodward? No. Did he have it when he made his affidavit in July 1882? No, or he would not have made it. Did he have it when he went to Mr. Woodward in September? No or else Mr. Woodward would have taken the stand and sworn to it. Did he have it when he made his affidavit in November? I say no. Who made it? Burdell manufactured it for this purpose, that he might have something to dispose of to this government, that he might have something to swap for immunity. He kept it as a voucher. Why did not these gentlemen bring Senator Mitchell to show that he had some account with Senator Dorsey in May 1879? Why did not the government bring Mr. Mitchell? They knew that their witness had to be corroborated, 
they knew that the law distinctly says that such a witness cannot be believed unless he is corroborated they also know that the law is that unless such a witness is wholly corroborated he cannot be believed that you are not allowed to pick the raisins of truth out of the pudding of his perjury you must believe him all or not at all he must be received entire by the jury or with the foot of indignation he must be kicked from the threshold of belief they know it why did they not bring senator mitchell to show that he had some account with s w dorsey in eighteen seventy nine but we heard not a word from them what more rodell says that was either in april before he went west or in may after his return and at that time according to his testimony that is according to his memorandum eighteen thousand dollars had been paid to mr brady for expedition and then following in the month of june before the quarter ended eighteen thousand dollars more that makes thirty six thousand dollars paid to brady what else ten thousand dollars to john w dorsey forty six thousand dollars that makes ten thousand dollars paid to peck fifty six thousand dollars that makes he had also advanced himself ten thousand five hundred dollars that makes sixty six thousand five hundred dollars advanced and not a dollar yet received from the government and that by a man who gave away seventy per cent of a magnificent conspiracy because he had not the money to go on all you have to do is think about this just think of the situation of the parties at the time i tell you i am going to stick to this subject until you understand it mr gibbs swears that the name of mitchell was not in the books when he saw them and yet those books were opened from this memorandum gibbs is the man who has such control over his mind that he can try not to remember when i was a boy i used to hear a story of a man going around saying that nobody could control his mind for a minute that nobody could think of one thing for a minute without thinking of something else but there was one fellow who said i can i can think of a thing a minute and not think of anything else he was told if you do it i will give you my horse he is the best riding horse in the country if you can say the first verse of mary had a little lamb and not think of anything else i will give you my horse and he is the best riding horse in the country the fellow says how will you tell oh i will take your word for it so the fellow shut up his eyes and said mary had a little lamb its fleece was white as snow and everywhere that i suppose you will throw in the saddle and bridle mr gibbs is the man who had such control of his mind and he tells you that the name of j h mitchell was not in the book mr donnelly says he does not remember any such name as j h mitchell and yet he holds an office he has the poorest memory for anyone under the present administration i ever saw he does not remember the name of j h mitchell who does remember it mr burdell but mr burdell does not say what he had charged to j h mitchell he does not say what was in the book as against j h mitchell he fights clear of that charge and why he was afraid that john h mitchell might testify 
according i think to mr burdell there was a charge against belford on those books i do not know why belford's name did not appear on the memorandum but i will come to belford afterwards mr bliss mr ingleshall mr donnelly did not mention in any way and is not asked on the subject of mr mitchell mr ingersoll i think he is i will find it after a while if i can and if i cannot i will admit that you are right i do not know where it is i do not wish to be interrupted mr bliss i claim the right mr ingersoll well go on the poor man had only seven days in which to make his speech mr bliss i have before me mr donnelly's evidence and he does not mention the name of mitchell in any manner and is not asked about it so far as i can see i think when the statement is persisted in there should be some reference given to that page mr ingersoll it is on page two thousand six hundred thirty seven mr davidge and at page two thousand six hundred thirty nine about two inches from the top mr ingersoll it is sufficient for my purpose which is this that he gave the names of all the accounts he could remember and in that list of names he did not give the name j h mitchell so i think i can fairly say to you that that man did not remember any account against j h mitchell mr gibbs was asked directly whether there was any account against j h mitchell and he did not remember any such now the only person who swears to it at all is mr verdell then you come across this contradiction why should the name of j h mitchell be there with nothing opposite to it i do not know the prosecution of course will be able to find writing of s w dorsey that will resemble some of the writing on this pencil memorandum there is no doubt about that it was written by verdell in imitation of dorsey's writing it is not surprising that writing really written by dorsey can be found that looks like it why because it was written in imitation of his writing and therefore you can find writing of dorsey's that looks like it otherwise it would not be an imitation the next question arises can you find writing of verdell's that looks like it yes eighty seven x the m c r and the s w d and the j w d are all exactly like it now is it not infinitely surprising that dorsey could imitate Rodell without trying and without an object is it not perfectly wonderful that this memorandum should be an imitation of Rodell's handwriting when it was written by dorsey but if it was forged by Rodell, it is not wonderful that it looks like dorsey's handwriting if dorsey wrote it without thinking of Rodell, i say the accident is infinitely wonderful that he imitated Rodell. which is more probable that dorsey imitated Rodell without design and without trying or that Rodell imitated dorsey with a design and when trying to do so that is the way to put this argument and i hope the gentlemen will answer it the ingenuity that would be displayed in the answer would a thousand times pay me for the loss of the point i want them to account for this how dorsey's natural handwriting comes to look like Rodell's, and how it is that this looks precisely like Rodell's in many instances
Why is it, gentlemen? I will tell you. Mr. Burdell has written the initials J.W.D., S.W.D., and M.C.R. so often that when he comes to put them upon this memorandum, he forgot to disguise his hand. That is the reason. You find on 87X the J.W.D. precisely as it is on the pencil memorandum. You find the M.C.R. precisely as it is on the pencil memorandum. You see, if you have done the same thing many times with your hand, the hand gets a mind of its own. It is in that way that you learn to play upon the piano. The hand becomes educated and follows the keys through all the mazes of melody without asking one question of the mind. You can write a name so often, you can make initials so often, that when you come to write them, no matter what your object is, the hand, educated with a mind of its own, pursues the old accustomed motions and paths. That is the reason that JWD and SWD and MCR are exactly in the handwriting of Burdell in this pencil memorandum. According to that, Dorsey had paid out in all, I think, about 65000 or something like that. There is no truth in it, gentlemen. This ends Chapter 4, Part 7 of 24.